get started. I'll, I'll give you, go ahead and give you a few announcements. They may, this may be a little bit different, but we'll, we'll give these announcements again at the end. But of course, pastor's not here this morning. Pray for him. I believe they're in, uh, is it Martinsville? Mooresville, somewhere in that area. He's preaching this morning for a buddy of his. Uh, keep them in your prayers. And uh, July 23rd, it looks like we got a teen service coming up. And, and uh, July 29th, it's Miss Jennifer Nash's birthday. Uh, so wish her a happy birthday coming up. That's uh, a little bit later this week. July 30th, we have the Lord's Supper and dinner. We're having a pitch-in uh, afterwards, and there'll be no PM service. I, I think that's the fifth Sunday of the month, so uh, keep the, that'll be next week. And August 5th, having a church fellowship from uh, starting at 5 p.m. and running somewhere between 5 and 8, I guess. Is that a Saturday? August 5th, amen, so keep those things uh, in your remembrance, and uh, Brother Jimmy, won't you go ahead and open us up in prayer this morning, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that comes from just gathering in your house with our church family this morning, Lord. We just come to praise and worship you and hear from you, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful place you blessed us with together. We just thank you for Brother Danny and all he does for our church and our family, Lord. We just pray your blessing and we hear from you. We give you all the praise and glory and honor that comes from it, Father. Thank you so much for Jesus' precious name. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to ask everybody to get a hymnal, and we'll turn to page number 514, and we'll stand on this first song here. Uh, he's a wonderful Savior to me.
we'll turn to page number 258. There is a fountain, page 
right. If we make our way back to our seats this morning, we'll turn to page number 639. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
Amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Pastor should be here tonight, if you're wondering. Um, just filling in for him this morning, but he'll be here, Lord willing, preaching tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Holy Spirit used Paul to write uh, 14 books of the New Testament. The New Testaments consist of 27 letters, and the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write uh, half of those, or over half. Uh, most people agree that Paul is the author of 13. And uh, the 14th is, uh, would be the book of Hebrews, which I believe Paul's the author of that. But 2 Timothy is the last book that he wrote. And uh, I wanna, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy this morning. Let's start off in chapter 4, though. Uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll read those first 12 verses. Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Tells young Timothy here to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Tells Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Timothy's currently pastoring the church at Ephesus when Paul's writing this letter. He tells them in verse 10, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cresans to Galatia, Titus unto Demacia, and only Luke is with me. He says, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. And uh, he's sending this guy in verse 12 to take over for Timothy uh, at the church at Ephesus. Uh, I think you say his name, Tychicus. And uh, he's sending him to Ephesus to fill in uh, for Timothy at that church because Timothy has a responsibility of taking over where Paul left off at. Paul says there in verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. So Paul is in prison awaiting his execution, and he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy because Timothy's going to have to be the one to take over Paul's ministry. Paul's uh, in Rome. We've seen this uh, when we went through the book of Acts. 
Second uh, Timothy is written a couple years after the book of Acts, and we've seen in uh, Acts chapter 28 uh, how that uh, Paul was cast into prison, and uh, he's going to Rome for his trial, and uh, it didn't go so well, and so Paul's in prison in Rome awaiting his execution. We see there in verse 11, for one reason or another, all Paul's associates had left him, and only Luke, the, the blood physician, is there by his side. So uh, we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that Paul's great concern wasn't for himself, but for Timothy. And he writes this letter to encourage Timothy uh, to take over uh, the ministry that God allowed Paul to have, and uh, he's encouraging Timothy to do so. And, uh, but he's telling him it's not going to be an easy task. There's some, you're going to have to endure afflictions. There's going to be some sufferings that comes along with this ministry. But he tells young Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. You know, when it's popular and when it's not popular, amen, take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at some things here in uh, 2 Timothy this morning. And uh, there's two key phrases or there's two key words that make up a phrase that pops up, as we'll see throughout the book of 2 Timothy, and that's the phrase, of God, of God. And uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for the, the privileges and the blessings of being able to come and worship you freely this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that we have that we can open up and look into and uh, ask the Lord your blessings upon the service, this, the message this morning, minister to our hearts, and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Timothy, um, let's, let's start there in chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, right off the bat, we see the key term in 2 Timothy, and that's the phrase of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promises of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So we see here in verse 1, Chapter 1, the will of God. Paul knew the importance of knowing the will of God. In fact, uh, he writes about it pretty good there in Ephesians chapter 5 and shows the importance of knowing the will of God in your life. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, See, then ye walk circumspectively, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's important as a child of God that you understand God's will for your life. And uh, Paul talks about this. You know, one, one thing that most Christians struggle with is knowing 
what the will of God is for his or her life. And I remember years ago, Jerry Falwell making that statement. He says, one of the hardest things you're going to have to try to figure out in your Christian life is what God's will is for your life. And he says the second hardest thing is probably when you find out, when you finally figure out what it is that's staying in God's perfect will for your life. But as a Christian, it's your responsibility to find out what God wants you to do and then do it. Not everybody has the same responsibility. Paul had a unique ministry. And uh, he knew that this was it for him. But someone else had to step up and take over his ministry because it was important for someone to be there to encourage the other churches to continue on strong in the faith. Now, currently, young Timothy was the pastor there at the church at Ephesus, but Paul's writing this letter to encourage him because Timothy's going to have to, he's got some big shoes to fill. The Apostle Paul's shoes, Timothy's going to have to step in there and take over Paul's ministry once he's departed. And uh, that's the will of God for young Timothy's life. Everybody in here has a... Now, there's some things we all know we're all supposed to be doing, but there's specifics that God wants you to do, and it's our responsibility to uh, find out what God wants us to do and then get busy doing it. Amen? Look at verse 6. We see that phrase pop up again. In verse 6, he says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Uh, The gift of God. You realize that every Christian receives at least one spiritual gift the moment you get saved. Now, I'm not talking about the gift of tongues or the gift of healing. Those were temporary gifts given in early Bible times when the apostles were around. And uh, Paul had all of those gifts. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us those were temporary gifts and um, that those gifts would cease. Uh, They were necessary because the New Testament wasn't completed yet. And, um, and we, as going through the book of Acts, I thought it was a tremendous study. I learned a lot from it. But um, you find out when those gifts, the gifts of tongues and the gifts of healing, every time they showed up and they were used, there was one purpose for those gifts. And that was to bring people to Jesus Christ. Every time uh, the gift of tongues was used, it was people hearing the gospel in their foreign tongue, their foreign language. Every time somebody got saved, or every, every time somebody got healed, somebody got saved. That was the purpose of those gifts. Now, <clears throat> there are gifts that we all have today. Now, the gifts that are for today are found in Romans chapter 12. Let's look there. Romans chapter 12. And uh, in our adult Sunday school class, we're going through the book of Romans. Uh, We're about to finish up Romans chapter 9 and get into chapter 10. And uh, when we get to Romans chapter 12, we are going to uh, go into each one of these gifts in great detail because these are the gifts that are for the church today. 
Look at Romans chapter 12. Let's start at verse, verse 6. Let's back up to verse 5. Paul says this, So we, being many, are of one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having the gifts. Now, like I said, if you're saved this morning, there are seven gifts lifted, listed here in verses uh, 6 and 7. And you have at least one of these gifts. Now, some of you may have two or even three or more. Uh, but if you're born again, you have at least one of these gifts, and it's your responsibility to figure out what gift you have and to develop that gift for God's glory. He says in verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, what is prophecy? That's that God has revealed the future to us, through his word. Now, the prophets of the Old Testament, um, God would give them the word, thus saith the Lord, and, and uh, they, they spoke it, and, and it came to pass. Uh, but today, it's a little bit different. We have the word of God. We know the future, amen, because it's written here in God's word. Uh, the book of Revelation, it's a book that hasn't been fulfilled yet. It's a book of prophecy. And uh, those with the ability or the gift of prophecy today, they have the ability to preach the truth of God's word. So there's the gift of prophecy. He says, uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Then uh, in verse 7, we see the second gift, and that's the gift called ministry. This is the ability to recognize a need and see that that need is met. Amen. Not everybody has that gift. Some people have the spiritual discernment to be able to see a need, a, minister, a need in the ministry, and not only see that need, but also make sure that that need is met. The third gift we have is teaching. We uh, Sunday school teachers, there's junior church leaders that teach the youth and uh, the teens and so forth. The fourth gift that people in the church today have is the gift of exhortation. That's the, abil the ability to encourage and motivate others to reach their full potential for the glory of God. Amen. Not everybody has that gift. But some people do. Then there's the gift of giving. They, uh, those are the people that have that, this gift. They give of their time. They give of their resources. They give of themselves for the glory of God. Even to the point to where they're willing to do without to meet a need. Not everybody has that gift. Some people, and I, when I'm, I'm going through all that, in my mind, I can picture one or two or more people in our church that line up with these gifts. I, I see them at work uh, here at Putnamville Baptist Church, and, and it's important. Not everybody has the same gift, 
but it's important that uh, a church, you can't have a, a church full of uh, people that are called to preach and or teach. Uh, you got to have students, amen? You're, you can't have a church full of people that are just willing. All these gifts are uh, working in Putnamville Baptist Church and other churches also. Another gift, the sixth gift here that's listed, is he that ruleth with diligence. These are people that have uh, organizational skills, administration skills, leadership skills. Not, not everybody has that gift. And the last one here that's listed is the gift of mercy. That's those who are loving, kind, gentle, loyal, devoted. It's not someone who's quick to judge, but someone who's quick to get or quick to forgive. Amen. Uh, they have the ability to see the good in everybody. Not everybody has that gift. But these are the gifts that are working in the church today. And uh, eventually in our Sunday school class, when we hit Romans chapter 12, we're going to go into those each individual gift in great detail. But if you're saved this morning, you have at, at least, at least one of those gifts. And you need to uh, figure out which one you have and develop that for God's glory. Uh, when we minister to others through our gifts that God has given us, I believe that's when the Holy Spirit flows through us like no other time. Why is that? Because uh, we're doing what we've been called and equipped to do. Now, I think when, we, when we're serving the Lord through our gifts, we experience an extra measure of energy and joy. Uh, but just the opposite happens when we're serving outside of our gifts. It's a different story altogether. I believe this is the primary reason. You ever heard the term burnout? You ever heard Christians uh, say, I, you know, I'm serving the Lord, but I'm just burned out. You know why that is? I, I think that's the reason for that is why Christians get burned out on church work is because instead of finding a slot where they can use their gifts, they sign up for whatever openings available at the time, and they're doing their best as long as they can take it. And then it becomes a burden, and it becomes a work, and it becomes a job, and it just it wears them out, and they, they just quit. Now, not everybody's called to teach a Sunday school class. But I think we see that. Some, there's a need for a Sunday school teacher, and somebody says, well, you know what? Somebody, no, nobody's going to step up. I'll step up and teach that class. But that may not be your gift that God's given you. And uh, you, you may be able to handle it for a while, but then after a while it becomes a burden. It becomes tiresome. And you get what they call burnout. Uh, so you need to find out what your spiritual gift is and then figure out what God wants you to do with that gift, and then get busy doing it. Amen. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, or 
2 Timothy, let's stay in chat, let's go to chapter, I'll stay in chapter 1. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. According to, here's that phrase again, the power of God. The power of God. Now, by nature, none of us enjoy suffering, do we? But Paul tells Timothy, uh, there's affliction for preaching the gospel. You know why Paul's in prison? You know why he's uh, getting ready to be executed? Is it because he's a criminal? Is it because he broke the law? It's because he's preaching the gospel and the world doesn't want him preaching the gospel. Uh, Paul's not a man pleaser, amen? He, he's, a, he's one who's made up his mind he's going to do what the Lord wants him to do. And, uh, you know, being a Christian, uh, it's not always an easy task. When you stand up for what's right, when you take a stand against sin, uh, oftentimes there's a price to pay. Look over there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. This is a familiar, uh, familiar verse. Paul tells young Timothy, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus might, no, that's not what it is, shall, shall suffer persecution. Uh, if you take a stand for what's right, you're going to suffer some affliction. You're going to suffer some persecution. But Paul tells us about the power of God there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And um, the power of God, uh, uh, God gives us power to go on and to endure. Amen. Now, we often think about the Christian life, but you know, when you, when, once you get saved, you get drafted in the Lord's army, amen? There's a battle going on, there's a war going on, and uh, it, it's not easy. Uh, there's some suffering that goes along with that and some persecution. Uh, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. It's often full of deep valleys. And if you've been saved for any amount of time at all, you know that's the case. Uh, somebody said you're either going into a valley or you're in a valley or you're coming out of a valley. Uh, that's just the way it is. But God gives us his power to endure and to go on. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, Wherein I suffer trouble, as in uh, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Paul's in prison as he's writing this, and he's saying he's he's suffering what a criminal would suffer, even though he's not a criminal. It says, when I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, because he's locked up, 
But the word of God is not bound. Amen. The word of God. There's that phrase again. The word of God. Paul said that they may lock me up in prison, but they can't lock up God's word. Uh, For years and years now, the devil's been trying to get rid of God's word. Uh, It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when he placed doubt on God's word. Amen. He said to Eve, what did he say to Eve? Yea, hath God said? Placing doubt. And, you know, God's not the author of confusion. The devil's at work again. I mean, he's still at it today. About every other year, a new English translation comes out. What are they doing? They're changing God's word. But Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 tells us, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my truth shall not pass away. Do we have God's perfect word for the English speaking people today? I believe so right here. A King James Bible. You say there's errors in it. I don't believe that. Listen, you're telling me that God can keep you eternally secure We're sealed until the day of redemption, aren't we? He can keep someone like me, a sinner saved by grace, eternally secure, but he can't keep his word secure. What what kind of God is that? Uh, He's all powerful. Um, I like what Bob Jones Sr. said one time, and you've heard me quote him quite a bit. But it's worth quoting, amen. Somebody, some lady asked him, she's, she said, do you understand everything written in that book talking about the Bible? And he says, of course not. Uh, you, you can study this Bible uh, 10 lifetimes and, and not understand it. She, he says, I don't understand it, but I, I fully believe it, amen. Um, there's some things in there I don't understand, uh, I'm continually learning, amen. I, t- I teach Sunday school and I'm, I'm learning, I'm still learning. I've been saved since 1986, I'm still learning. Uh, the Word of God, it's truth. There in the book of Philippians, the Bible tells us that at one day at the name of Jesus, uh, the name of the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Over in the book of Psalms, it says there's something that he's elevated above his name, and it's the word of God. Uh, God's word, the word of God. Paul said, uh, it's, it's not bound. You can lock me up, but you can't lock up God's word. Let's go to chapter 2, look at verse 19. Verse 19, Paul says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. Talking about the foundations of God, the foundation of God. What's that? That's the basic truths of the Christian faith found in God's word. Uh, The Bible tells us in John chapter 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Um, We have a final authority. 
Listen, if you don't have a final authority, you're never going to settle any argument. Uh, This is our final authority. Thus saith the Lord. It's without error. It's pure. It's holy. Uh, This is what we're going to be judged by when we stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ one day and give an account for how that we've used our gifts for God's glory. Amen. Look at chapter 3, verse 6. This goes along with Brother Travis's Sunday school lesson this morning in Matthew chapter 15. Done a tremendous job. Appreciated that. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's start at verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. Here's our phrase. More than, lovers of God, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's where we're at today. It sounds like Paul's writing to the United States of America in 2017, doesn't he? I mean, you pick up the morning newspaper or turn on uh, Fox News or whatever you listen to, and uh, you're going to get a report to what Paul's just printed out here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I talk to people, and uh, what's their problems? Well, they they love pleasure more than they love God. I invite them to church. Well, you know, churches, Sunday's their day off, and they got things they want to do, Amen. And I don't know how many times I've heard, besides that, that church down there, all they, they want to take up an offering. All, all they're concerned about is getting your money. Listen, God don't need, that, that's crazy. You know what people do? People will spend $80 for a ticket to go hear some, somebody glorify sin put to music, pay for parking, pay for drinks, and pay for food, and perhaps some souvenirs. And they're worried about the church passing an offering plate. You don't have to put in that offering plate, amen. That's between you and the Lord what you do when that offering plate comes around. Uh, We don't charge people to come to church. But what's the problem? People love pleasure more than they love God. That's the problem. Chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. We see our last two points here, and we'll close. 
Verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God. What's, what's that word inspiration? What does that mean? The process of inspiration is the Holy Spirit breathing his words through somebody's mouth. Um, then those words are written down. That's what it's talking about there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this, For the prophecy came not no time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's inspiration. That's God breathing into them what to say, and uh, they wrote it down. Paul wrote uh, 14 letters down here in the New Testament. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Paul tells young Timothy, he says, and it's uh, profitable for doctrine, uh, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. He goes on to say in verse 17 that the man of God, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Verse 17, that the man of God. You know, some of the greatest men of God that I have ever met and known in my Christian life um, never preached from behind a pulpit. They were just faithful Faithful and obedient in doing what God called them to do and understanding their spiritual gift and using it for God's glory. You have a spiritual gift if you're saved this morning. Go back sometime there in Romans chapter 12, verses 6, 7, and 8. And figure out, pray about it. Ask God, God, what's my spiritual gift? And God, whatever that spiritual gift is, ask God to help you to develop it. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And use it for his glory, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and grace. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Father, we're grateful we have the word of God in our hands and that we're able to open it and read from it and study it. Help us to memorize it and most of all, help us to obey it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? Give a song of invitation if God's dealt with your heart this morning. You need to come and do business with the Lord, you come. You know what your spiritual gift is? Maybe you don't have one because you're not even saved. For someone here like that this morning, you come forward, get my attention or somebody else's attention. We'll gladly show you what the Word of God has to say about being born again. Amen.
uh, we'll have the men come up for uh, the offering, and I'll go over the, you can be seated, and uh, I'll go over the announcements again. Uh, July 23rd, we have teen service. That's, that's tonight. The PM service will be the teen service. Pastor is supposed to be back for that. Uh, wish Jen Jennifer Nash a happy birthday. Her birthday is July 29th. Uh, next Sunday, we're having the Lord's Supper on the AM services. There'll be no PM service, pitching uh, dinner afterwards. And August 5th, starting at 5 o'clock, we're having a church fellowship. Amen. Brother Chris, would you ask the blessings on the offering, please? We love you, Lord. Thank you for everything you do for us. We know that we can all say like Paul, oh, what a wretched man I am. You will deliver me from this body of death. Only one can do it. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love him. We thank him for everything. We thank him for everything he's given us and the chance to give back to him. Having church tonight. The teens are having the services tonight, so you come back for that at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Brother Ed, would you? Is there any other announcements? Special announcements? Anybody? Enjoy going out and watching the softball team play whenever I can. Free entertainment, amen. Uh, anybody else? Brother Ed, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Father, you put your 